This is the Comedian Mediums podcast, and I'm your host, Medium Missy Tolly. Also spontaneously joining us is my friend and co-host, Jesse Massengale. So for those of you who are just now tuning into our podcast, Jesse and I are both very busy moms, wives, and mediums, and this podcast is going to cover all things paranormal, supernatural, and unexplained in an explicit way, if you will. So... We started this podcast to offer you wisdom nuggets that we have learned along our journey. And these messages of hope, healing, and love are meant to reach everyone that has been touched by death in some way. So death is not final. It's just an event our souls experience. So with that, enjoy our funny, non-scripted, crazy podcast. We hope you follow along and make sure you check us out on mediummissy.com. All right, guys, so it's Missy, and today's episode uh, is all about surviving suicide, and you're going to hear um, two ladies that have had personal experience with suicide attempt or suicide of a loved one. I asked them some really hard questions, and there are some really emotional conversations that take place. Now, this is part one of this series, and next week's episode, you are going to hear from another person um, that I interviewed, and she decided to come forward with her story of surviving suicide. And you're also going to be able to hear um, a reading that I did um, for for a client of mine. And I do block out the names of my clients on the video um, at their request for their privacy. So I hope you enjoy the ladies' interviews today and for next week's. And if you guys are excited to hear, season two, episode 12 will be my final episode of this season. And that is episode will consist of only readings, mini readings, wisdom nuggets from heaven, and divine knowledge. So I'm really excited to introduce to you both um, beautiful ladies that I am just so excited to um, share their story with, with you guys. We have Morgan and Maggie. So please give them um the the utmost respect for stepping forward today and really sharing their stories and i hope you learn from this episode as much as you need to deal with your own grief or to help someone that you love going through something in their life that they just need a little bit of support with so on that note enjoy
All right, so I have Miss Morgan on the phone with me today, and um, she is a suicide survivor. She did attempt to um, take her own life. We're not going to go into the details of um, what happened, but Morgan, I have some questions for you. Okay. Okay. First, I do want to just thank you for coming onto this podcast with me and sharing your story to the thousands of listeners out there. And I know this puts you in a vulnerable position. And I just hope that those of you who are listening right now, if you connect with Morgan's story, um, if it's okay with Morgan, um, I can give um, you contact information um, to talk with her. Maybe she can help you through whatever you're going through. Um, but first, I want to put out there that if you are thinking about suicide or if you're in a dark place, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The phone number is 800 273 8255. You can also reach out to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and you can text the word TALK to 741741. So just um, really quickly Morgan, let's talk about the stigma of suicide and the aftermath of it. And I know from personal experience of my own going through loved ones who have committed suicide or going through a dark place in my own personal life, um, that sometimes we have this idea in our head or this stigma of shame, isolation, anger, and even fear um, of, of ourselves and of our life. And would you relate to any of that when it comes to, um, your thought process in the days leading up to your attempt? Uh, I definitely do. Uh, I, you know, I had a fear, a big fear actually, of being a disappointment to, um, the people in my life at that time, including like my parents, my family, friends, etc. I, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint them by asking for help, um, kind of the, the stigma on mental illness just kind of creates in you know, a fear that people are going to look at you completely differently or they're going to dismiss you, um, and to me, I just didn't want to put that burden on anybody. So leading up to my attempt, I um, experienced a lot of fear, a lot of shame, uh, a lot of guilt. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with how stigmatized everything is. You know, it's, it's a shame when people are snuggling, but they're afraid to ask for help because they don't want to disappoint other people. I agree. I agree. And you know what, Morgan, it, it really does astound a lot of people. And I want to put some emphasis on this for all of my listeners and all of my fans out there. I want to talk about the aftermath of suicide. And even if it's a suicide or a suicide attempt and you've survived it, um, the aftermath of a suicide or a suicide attempt can be violent. It can be totally unexpected. It's shocking. And it's almost as if we have these reoccurring um, 
experiences or visions in our mind that we just can't get rid of. And that just magnifies the emotional roller coaster that we get on as a suicide survivor, whether you're an attempt survivor or or even if you've had a loved one that's you know a victim of suicide it, it just changes everything about how you look at people what do you think about that like do you what are your thoughts on that morgan i mean as far as what you were feeling at the time of your attempt take us back to to those those feelings in that moment in those hours so um for me I felt like the best thing for me and for everyone else in my life, rather than um, asking for help and trying to continue the fight by myself, that if I was gone, that it would solve all the problems. Now, in hindsight, obviously that's not true, but the aftermath of it was, you know, I was expecting 100%, like, that, that was it, like, I was done, like, I wouldn't have to you know, feel these things anymore, I wouldn't be here anymore, like, I wouldn't have anything left to deal with, and when that wasn't the case, I, it was a weird feeling, it was, like, not, not like a euphoria, but kind of, because it was like, well, I thought I was dead, and I'm not, I'm, I'm actually alive, and, like, I survived this, even though, at the time, I didn't want to, and that was, like, constant battle for me for a while like it's a weird feeling when you just suddenly give all of it up and you think that you know you're at peace with your decision and it's all going to be over and then it's just suddenly it's not and that was a hard adjustment um obviously i'm very thankful that there is a higher power that wanted me to still be here um but at the time i i didn't realize that like i thought I failed like to me it was another failure like I failed to carry this out and that was really hard to deal with and you know trying to explain it to anybody else didn't make any sense to them like they couldn't understand why I tried to do it in the first place because I had hit it so well from that for so long and it just it was hard because people don't understand unless they've been in that situation and no matter how much they want to understand they, they just can't, and that's no fault of their own. Right. Um, do you? It, it was hard. Morgan, do you think that being a, a, an attempt survivor, do you think as most attempt survivors, they create not just the, the mental disorder of depression, but they also kind of are, I'm not going to say taken over, but do you feel that there's a sense of... Um, anxiety that comes out of maybe uh, PTSD or I know for myself being in that dark place I know that I had involuntary intrusive daily thoughts it was literally like a daily fight and sometimes my husband is like oh my gosh you're having a bad day do I need to worry it's like no you don't need to worry I'm okay today but it's important for those survivors out there those attempt survivors to tell the family what's going on with them mentally and um, and I'd like to know how do you how did you get through 
those days leading after your attempt? What did your family think? Why didn't you reach out to your family at the beginning? And what were their reactions? Because we know your reaction to your your survival, but were they asking you questions? And, and tell us about that. So I think that every, it was just a shock to everybody. Um, like I said, I hit it very well. Um, they had no clue that I was suffering, you know, anything. And, um, you know, my parents, obviously, they all they wanted to do was just to get me help, um, you know. And it was hard, and especially for my brother, he was still young at the time, he was only 16. And, like, he was there, at the, at, like, after the attempt. And, you know, I think it affected him in more ways than, you know, I realized. Um, but, you know, they were supportive. I mean, they were, they tried, they, you know, they made phone calls, they did what they had to do, cash in favors, just so they could give me appointments rather than being put on a wait list. Um, but it was still hard. It was, it was hard because, like, all I did was want to shut myself up in my room. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, I was coping with the grief of, you know, not succeeding. Like, I thought that I was going to be gone. And now I had to deal with the fact that I wasn't. And I didn't plan for that. And so that was really difficult. I, they didn't really push me for questions. They just wanted to give me help. Um, just as long as I was talking to somebody. Um, they were okay with, you know, not having any answers at that point in time. And, you know, as time progressed, um, and, you know, I got better at talking through things and opening up and realizing that all these expectations um, that I thought other people had for me, they didn't. They just wanted me to be happy. And it was the expectations that I was putting on myself that was causing a lot of the problems. So it was a lot of self-discovery and trying to understand myself first before I was able to even try to explain it to anybody else. I love that, Morgan, because I have so I have hundreds of clients that come to me every year when it comes to their loved one committed suicide and they want to know the answers as why did this happen? Why didn't we see the signs? Why weren't we aware of why didn't we you know who what where when why and always the answer is not why but when and when we see the signs in the in the aftermath when we know what to look for sometimes it is too late but it's never too late to save someone else and those who who have passed due to suicide they their life is not you know we're not going to let their their life be in vain their they have their soul still has a story that's eternal and we can still create a loving bond um ultimately by telling their story and talking about it and if you think about this for the people that are listening right now if you're listening to morgan what she's saying and maybe morgan you can identify with this when my clients come to me and they say why did my loved one commit suicide why didn't i know why 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 and we're sitting here talking to a survivor you survived your attempt to kill yourself and as we're sitting here years later you still don't have the answer as to why do you understand that morgan yeah. and i yeah, i want and you're absolutely right 
Yeah, I want the listeners to understand that even in that moment of despair and hopelessness and helplessness, you still did not even understand why you felt the way you did and why you felt the need to end your life. And when yep, my client exactly it. When my clients come to me and they talk about how can I get through this, Missy? What can I do? I have different answers for each client, but the one thing I can tell you is you have survived suicide. You are a surviving family member of someone who's committed suicide or you're a surviving attempt um, of suicide. You survived this and you have to keep living your life in the best way that you can. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be fucking easy. You know, you have that, like I was talking about that involuntary intrusive thoughts every day. It's a daily fight. And you have to remember, I love this quote by Lady Gaga. Morgan, you're going to love this, okay? She said, if you don't have any shadows, then you're not standing in the light. I love that. Yeah, she's, that's so true. I mean, everyone has shadows. Yes. And it's just a matter of, you know, finding the light to overcome them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, Morgan, take us back to um, what kind of treatment did you get um, if you got any help at all after your attempt? So after my attempt, my parents had gotten me um, an appointment with um, a psychiatrist and uh, I met with a psychiatrist. Um, she tried a medication um, and then she set me up with a therapist in her office and I just, I didn't connect with either the therapist or her. So after about a month and a half, you know, I was feeling like I was going to attempt again. And that time, I actually said something to my parents. I said, I don't feel that I'm getting better. I'm getting to the point where I want to attempt again. Um, but this time, I don't want that to happen. And so what happened was we ended up doing a partial hospitalization program. Um, and what it was was I would be at the hospital um, from like Monday through Friday, eight to five. And I did that for a little over a month. And what happened there was there was a group of people that were in it, and each day there was a different schedule. There was group therapy, there was individual therapy. Everybody, um, you know, was assigned one of the two physicians that were there, and we did daily check-ins with the physician. You know, they did different things like art therapy, yoga. They had different education sessions about, like, there was medication education and just a bunch of different things. And, you know, being with a group of people who actually understood what I was feeling, I think that really helped. Um, at first, you know, it was scary to open up and talk to strangers, but you know, those people actually became my friends. And to this day, you know, I'm still in contact with some of them. And you know, we got through it together. And um, it's kind of one of those bonds that you know, it just you know, it can't be broken because when you go through something like that and you go through it with other people that have gone through it, it's definitely makes it a little bit easier. So I think, honestly, that that program saved my life. Beautiful. Um, you know, after that, I did a follow-up, which was a, um, a dialectical behavioral therapy course for 15 weeks. Okay. And that was really helpful, too. So it was kind of like the next step after we phased out of the, um, the partial hospitalization program. And we did this course for 15 weeks. 
And that was also really helpful as well. It taught you a lot of skills about, you know, how to change your thinking and, you know, how to control where your mind goes when you start having some of those episodes, whether it be a panic attack or a depressive episode, etc. And it really helps. And I think, you know, in the end, that's really what saved me was going through all of that. Beautiful. I love that. And I, I do have a question for you because for the those of you who are listening, she had someone to reach, Morgan had someone to reach out to help her get help. And for those of you who are alone, especially during COVID, you feel like you're alone. And I know from doing all my readings and connecting with those in spirit that did commit suicide, I know that they've told me that one of the worst feelings that they had was a sense of hopelessness and a sense of helplessness. And I can't even tell you how that feels. And, and if you felt that at all, at any degree, you feel like there's no coming back from that, but there is, there really, really is. And I'm curious for you, Morgan, was it difficult for you to find treatment or was it, you know, what was the process like for you? Was it quick? Was it easy? Was it difficult? What about those people who don't have insurance out there? Do you know about other programs that are out there um, that would take payment plans or um, so they can get help if they're not financially capable of getting the help that they really need? Um, well, so at the time of mine, um, I was 18, so I was obviously still on my parents' health insurance. Um, so it was one of those things where, uh, you know, my parents found somebody that was in network and basically I went. And that was the first physician that I saw, which um, I didn't connect with. So truly, like if you're not connecting with someone um, that's supposed to help you, don't keep trying to force through it there's options, find someone else um, that you can connect with because if you're not able to connect with them or trust them or be able to fully express yourself around them, then you're just gonna continue um, to hurt yourself. You need to find someone that you can connect with and there's no shame in saying, look, like this um, relationship here isn't working, I need a referral to a different doctor or a referral to a different therapist or something like that. And as far as people that don't have medical insurance or anything like that, um, call the suicide hotline. To this day, I'll still call them if I'm having a bad day and I just need someone to sit there and listen to me. I'll call and I'll just talk to somebody and they sit there and they listen, no judgment. And just even that simple phone call can help. Um, They don't charge you for that. Um, Exactly. And And they can also give you referrals to people in your area or help you find a program that, you know, maybe you could do payment plans for. It's really a great resource and it's so easy to just call them or send a message to them and there's somebody there at the other end of the phone. And you know what? I have actually um, used that number myself when I when my daughter was born and she was born with a physical disability. It was like four o'clock in the morning and I was just like, I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. I was having bad thoughts and then I called and the lady on the other end of the phone was stayed on the phone with me until my husband woke up which was like six o'clock in the morning it was crazy and so let me give you guys that number again the national suicide prevention lifeline is 800 
273-8255 or you can text the American Foundation for um, Suicide Prevention. Text the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to the number 741-741. Um, and I, I'm, I know we're going a little longer than we planned, Morgan, but I think this is information that the listeners need to need to know. And you as a survivor of your suicide attempt, I think your story needs to be told. And um, I'm curious about how you've handled life after treatment. So um, what is the public persona from your perception? How did people treat you? How did friends and family treat you um, after treatment and after your attempt? Uh, and, you know, at first, I think people were just confused. They were shocked. They, they didn't know what to do or what to say. So it was almost like they were walking on eggshells around me. Um, I'm sure that made you more uncomfortable, didn't it? It did. Um, I kind of just wanted to isolate myself more and more um, because I knew that, they, you know, they just, there was no way that I could explain it to them because I didn't understand it yet. Um, but after, you know, you know, it's been eight years now, um, and I'm open about it, you know, if I can help somebody else that's struggling and save them from having to go through what I went through with my attempts, I am more than willing, you know, to tell my story, to help them, to be, you know, that listening ear that I desperately needed. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where people have good intentions and, you know, People don't want to say the wrong thing after that when you're in such a vulnerable state. They don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Right. And at some point, you know, you'll get to a point where you can, you know, discuss with them and try to explain and, you know, tell them, you know, it wasn't you. Like, you weren't the cause of this. Because I think a lot of people feel guilt for not knowing or not being able to, you know, see that something was wrong before it happened. Right. And right. I think it's important that they know that it wasn't their fault. Um, and for me, I think that that was really where my parents stood. You know, I think that they felt like they um, felt guilty because they didn't know something was wrong. And it's just, um, I don't know, it's just the nature of it, I guess. It's, it's such a stigmatized topic where, you know, it's just a cycle where people are afraid to say something, then something happens, and then other people are afraid to say the wrong thing. And it's just, it's a cycle, and I think we have to break that cycle and just be open about it and be like, hey, I'm struggling today. Here's what's going on in my head. Like, right. I need, I just need somebody to listen to me. Um, Morgan, let and me... even if that's all that they do is listen. Yeah, Morgan, let me ask you a couple questions. So... What are some pieces of advice that you would give to those who are suffering right now? My first piece of advice is ask for help. Ask for help. Find someone. If you don't have someone, call the hotline. Just ask for help. That's the first step is asking for help because you can't do it alone. Okay. And, um, you know, that's probably the first thing. And the second thing is... You know, find something that works for you, whether it be a treatment program or, you know, medication or something. Just, you just try to find something that, you know, you're able to slowly, piece by piece, understand what's going on with yourself. Because it really is a self, 
reflection journey. Like you have to understand what's going on in your own mind and what's going on in your own life that is contributing to, um, you know, your mental illness or your suicidal thoughts. Um, I agree. And I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, take the time, be selfish, self-compassion because that's what you have to do. You have to be self-compassionate. You, you have to love yourself yeah. enough to give yourself an opportunity to give it a go, give it a chance, you know? Um, so yeah. you probably are saving people's lives right now, Morgan, and, and you don't even know. So you need to give yourself credit where credit is due here, you know? Um, uh-huh. So I have two more questions for you and then I'll let you go. Um, but I do have, I did, um, I do have something inspirational for you to know, and um, but first I have, the this first question is, what are at least a couple pieces of advice you would give to the families that are going through their grief, um, either with a loved one that attempted suicide or that has lost a loved one to suicide? What advice would you give the families or friends? First and foremost, I think, it's important to, you know, recognize that you're going to have this feeling of guilt, like you could have done something um, to save them. And, and you know, no, that's survivor's guilt, and that's natural. But um, don't let yourself get caught in that downward trend because it's not your fault. And I think the best thing you can do is educate yourself. You know, talk to people, read articles, read books, you know. Try to understand, you know, what is really going on with um, people that are attempting suicide or, or, you know, being successful in it. And I think that's the most important is to educate yourself so that we can try to break this stigma that's so attached to it. That was powerful. So my last question to you is... How did your family deal with their grief? Um, you talked about you had a younger brother. How did your How does your family deal with your grief now? What do they do to get themselves help when they know you're having a hard time? Obviously, they're going to be concerned and worried and stress out. And what can they do to help themselves? Oh, that's a really good question because honestly, I'm not sure what they all did, to be quite honest with you. Like, I was so caught up in my own treatment that I don't know what they did. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if they talked about it together or, you know, if they saw people. I honestly don't know. I feel like it would be a really important part of your healing process to be able to, um to kind of see the beauty in the way they dealt with their grief um, and their grief Mm -hmm. over your attempt. You know, they're going to have that grief over it. And, you know, everything has beauty, but not everyone can see it. So through the mortal eye and through the human body, we are dense and heavy in this physical manifestation of energy, which is our body, right? It's our vehicle in this lifetime. And there are many times when beauty eludes us and we can't see the grand design of what's happening around us. And I can tell you that this is a time for you to celebrate and rejoice and really create a symbolic reference to your family and how really strong they are and how strong you are and how vulnerable you are telling your story here to thousands of listeners. And 
sometimes that spiritual presence of light and illumination can heal people. And you've given so many great tips about self-reflection, asking for help, um, finding what works for you. If you don't like your counselor, guess what? You don't have to use that counselor. Get a different counselor, you know? Um, yep. And you have to show yourself love and you have to allow yourself to feel those feelings and not feel ashamed or feel guilty about it. It's important. Right. Um, you know, it, Oprah Winfrey once said that the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. And I loved that when I heard it because it makes so much sense. Um, sometimes you have to celebrate the darkest times in your life for you to be able to see the most beautiful times in your life. And I'm sure you've had some amazing life experiences since your attempt, Morgan. Is that accurate? Uh -huh. Absolutely. Good. And in those experiences, you wouldn't have had a chance to experience if you had taken your life. And for those of you who are caught up in this addictive chase of leading a life based on, you know, projected future societal abyss of happiness and perfection, um, you know, those are false personas. Those are not you can't expect to have life run smoothly. We are here as a soul in this physical body to learn lessons, painful ones at that too. And by reflecting on how our good and our bad choices have led us to a point in our life right now, hindsight later on can reveal the ways that you've been guided and shaped by unseen forces that help us enrich and understand our life. Do you know what I mean by that, Morgan? Yes, I do. And for people who are having a difficult time right now, especially with COVID, I want you to know if you're listening to this, you know, I'm sure Morgan can attest to this. There is a time for hope. There is a time of change and beauty and celebration and love that really triumphs over hopelessness and helplessness and fear and pain and suffering and grief and isolation and anger and, and guilt and shame and a sense of false responsibility. We have to let those things go so we can create a, a life for us that can be wholesome and fulfilling in one way or the other. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. There is, you know, there is something, you know, after you hit rock bottom because all you can do is go up from there. Absolutely. And is it going to be easy? No, you're going to have to claw your way up, but it is going to be worth it in the end. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Morgan, for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you. I know my fans are probably bawling right now. <laughs> and um, if you are okay with it i would like um to offer to my fans out there and to my loyal listeners if you would like to reach out to morgan or hear um, her story in depth morgan is that okay with you yes please 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 reach out if you have no one else no one else in turn please reach out to me i i understand and i am more than happy to listen and talk through things with you and help you find help. 
Awesome. Morgan, what's the what's your best email that um, people can contact you at if, if they need to or a phone number? If you want to give that out, that's totally up to you. But what's a good way sure. people can reach out to you? Um, best way is probably through text or phone call. Okay. Um, my phone number is um, 330-575-1885. I have my phone on me all the time. So if you know, you're know you in a situation and you need somebody to call, call me. If I don't pick up, leave a message, send a text, I'll call you back. Um, but that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Awesome. All right, Morgan, thank you so much for hopping on today. Thank you for having me and for telling these stories that, you know, people need to hear. Aw, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right, so guys, I have Miss Maggie on the line with me. Hi, Maggie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast and sharing um, your story of a loved one who um, did commit suicide. And um, I'd like to focus on some really deep, um, deep-rooted questions about that time period. Um, and how you got through it, any advice that you have for others. So I have a list of questions here. I'm gonna go ahead and start by asking you um, what happened around that time of your loved one's suicide? What happened in the days leading up to that? Mental um, awareness, uh, physical appearance, did you notice anything? Um, so tell us your story. Well, my son, was the type of person that um, he was always uh, in in a depression state from the time he was young, very very young. And he had gone to counseling for years, and I had gone to counseling also with him, but with him. But also um, every time that he fell in love with a girl, and they seemed to not want to be with him, and would. Uh, tell him to uh that he didn't uh they would th they didn't want to be in his life anymore he just lost it he thought it was the end of the world well this last girlfriend it was the end of the world for him and i seen it coming with this girl that she wanted to be free uh, of him because she wanted to move on and she just didn't want to be with him anymore and I told him I've seen it coming you know I said this girl wants to be on her own and I said you need to move on and find another girlfriend or find someone else he always depended on this his life with another girl he wanted to just have someone of his own and when I would talk to him and I'd say, life goes on, you'll find someone. And he'd say, no, no, this is the one for me. And I'd say, no, this isn't the one for you, Chad. This isn't the one for you. Well, that day, I was out with my friends. 
<sighs> and, um, you know, you'd think, you know, he lived with me his last couple of years, and he, he would say to me when he left the house, Mom, I'll be home. Mom, I'll be home. I'd say, okay, okay. Because he, in my heart, I always knew that he was suicidal because he had tried it in the past. But then I thought, oh, he's doing well. Till he met a girl, you know. Then things would change. So, I don't know. He just was very weak when it came to romance. Um, so, I tried helping him through his romances, but it just didn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. And this last time, it just didn't work. I mean, he just thought it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world for him, this last romance. Some people operate in this idea of superficial romance or um, what they want so bad in life is to be loved. And as a medium, I know that you know whether people are listening believe in god or believe in you know buddha or whoever they believe in or you know um the mother queen or the mother god yasra um or Esna, i think it is don't quote me on that but i know that people in our physical life though it's all about love and sometimes you can love someone so much and it's not enough for their soul and you know, they need more than that. They need more, more, more. And we try to give as much as we can. And we give until we have given everything. And I know from connecting with spirit on the other side, that when they go essentially home to heaven, they their soul remembered how much love was on the other side. And it's like, they can't find that love here in the physical world. And so it's like they check out and they want to go back home. So for those of you who are listening, I've done readings with with Miss Maggie in the past. Um, I think I even drove out to the hospital to see you once, Maggie. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I yeah. know that your son is in heaven just like all the other suicide victims. Their souls are eternal and they do go to a heavenly place. So you know, and I know you know that, but for those who are listening to this and you've come across this podcast, it's important that you know that your loved ones aren't in purgatory. They're not in hell. They're in heaven getting the healing and the love that they needed and and were not able to find here in the physical. And by you telling his story, Maggie, and, and letting his life be a lesson to other people um, it's a way that his soul and his spirit can live on eternally here in the physical world um, by helping other people does that make sense to you yes it does and you're doing essentially God's work by the lessons you've learned with your son and it's not that the the surviving family members are being punished that's not it at all it's that it's your life's journey it's one of your paths to take the lesson that you've learned and experienced and grow in wisdom from it and help other people through that and that's what you've just you've agreed to come onto the show today and talk about this and um 
And I know that you really deserve an applause because you've been through so much. And this is really a beautiful way to live in your son's legacy and know that he's here with you even in this very moment, helping you deal with, with what it is that you're going through even all these years later. Um, so with that, I have a couple questions, Maggie, when it comes okay. to the aftermath of the suicide, how did family and friends react to that? Because, um, I was just talking to a suicide survivor, an attempt survivor named Morgan, and she and I talked about how there's this stigma and shame and isolation of anger and fear and guilt and responsibility that comes with suicide and how it can be so violently unexpected. And for those who survive it or are suffering with it, there is this reoccurring thought every day, this PTSD, anxiety, this chronic, involuntary, um, intrusive thoughts and, and images that we that they have every day. Um, and even for the family members, the surviving family members, you go through that as well. So tell us a little bit about how your friends and family reacted and what your reaction to it was. Oh, we were all very angry at first, very angry. And um, I blamed myself for a long, long time. I mean, I even was angry with God. I mean, I said, why, why, why would you take my child like this? And then I thought, God didn't take my child. My son took his own life. God didn't tell him to do this. And like I say, it's just, oh, I just felt my son. Yep. <laughs> He's telling me he's sorry. Oh my God, I just felt my son. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, but anyhow, I did blame myself. And so I seek counseling because I was to the point in my life that I was giving up on myself. And my doctor says, no, you cannot do this. You have other family members. You cannot do this to yourself. So I seeked counseling for a long time and I forgave myself for thinking the worst because I wanted to just be with him and thought, I can't do this. I mean, I almost wanted to end my life also. But I said, no, I have other family that need me. They need me bad. So, like I said, I seek the counseling, moved on from there, and have talked to many, many people and helped them out in many ways with my story and said to myself, Life goes on, be, the, be strong, and I have my faith in God. Oh, I just felt it again. I just can't believe this. I forgive you, son, I do forgive you. He's asked me twice now to forgive him. Oh my gosh, 
this is beautiful. Missy, this is beautiful. <laughs> Weird things happen. Beautiful things oh happen. Oh, gosh. Missy, this is... I've never felt this. This is just beautiful. But anyhow, I've moved on. And like I said, the family has forgiven him also. And it was like a release. Once you have forgiven yourself from the anger, you move on. You can move on from it because it's just something that they, it's the now moment, the moment that they're in, they do it. They do it. They don't think of other people around them. They don't think of the love that everybody has for them. Right. It's like a selfish part on them. Like a blackout. Right. It's a, yes. almost as if it's yes. a blackout moment. And talking to, yes. talking yes. to, talking to Morgan, um, Maggie, she was explaining to me, I asked her to take me up into those days and those moments into, you know, her attempt. Uh -huh. And she said uh -huh. she didn't even know why she was doing it. And for the people that are uh -huh. listening, I'll reiterate that. You want to know why your loved one has done this and they don't even know why in that moment other than they need to get rid of that, that rooted, that deep pain. And and exactly. clients come to me and they ask me why it's not about why it's mm -hmm. about when no. can you begin healing from this tragic moment in your life that can be turned into a beautiful awareness and that's what uh -huh. your son is here to do and i don't know if you noticed it maggie but 11 minutes and 11 seconds into our our conversation that's when you first felt your son so i want you to know that Okay, so that's oh kind of gosh. beautiful, right? And yes. so I love all of this um, story of strength and vulnerability and courage that you are you're giving to my listeners because you're helping them go through what they've also gone through as well, whether they attempted or whether they're a surviving family member of a suicide victim. You are surviving suicide daily. You are surviving the grief and the loss but you're surviving in a positive way. And let me ask you, how do you get through every day since his passing, since Chad's passing? Well, I go to, bread, uh, I go to bed with prayer and I wake up with a positive attitude every morning saying, this is another bright day and and I'm a survivor. And it's funny and because I, will make it. I just heard, I just heard, let that shit go, mom. That's what I just heard. Exactly. So I don't know exactly. if that was his silly personality coming through or if that's oh, just, it yes. was he, yes. I really feel like he was the type of character and I don't remember our readings. I just remember you were one of my mm -hmm. clients that I went to see mm -hmm. um, at a hospital, mm -hmm. but I, I do get the sense that, um, I don't know if he was the baby of the family or what, but he was like mama's boy in a way. And he's just like, yeah. thank you, mom, for being so wonderful to me. He really is so grateful. Yeah. And I don't know if like you didn't make him wear like a suit in him. Like, I don't know what this thing about dressing up is, but there's this connection to this 
when he was a kid, yes. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> yes. Yes, I looked back at the pictures and said, you actually made me wear that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So you kind of get through every day trying to laugh at something every day because he just said to me, he goes, I try to make my mom feel good and have a laugh every day. Is that part of yeah. your, your healing process is you use humor and laughter yeah. to raise your vibrations? Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what other pieces of advice do you have, Maggie, for um, family members, surviving family members on how to survive suicide? What couple pieces of advice do you have for, for those loved ones that are, um, are, are dealing with their grief and their loss? Okay, you're being don't. honest. You're you're being honest. You know, sometimes yeah. I'd rather I would rather people be honest than give me a line of bullshit, you know? And yeah, I so I I hear the word hope come to to mind. The word hope is all about being able to really believe in in a in something that's going to give you healing and transformation. Um it's a way for us to really merge our our love and our humanity and really kind of ascend to a higher um, knowledge as a soul so we can have and understand that when things go wrong, we cling to the fact that um, it's difficult to get through those periods. But when things go right, we don't give it as much um, attention as when things go wrong. And that's the fear of humiliation and disappointment in our life. So that's where you have to embrace hope. Hope is one of the most powerful human emotions. Um, it awakens courage, it strengthens us, it inspires us no matter what hardships there are. When life's burdens are so hard and they're almost unbearable, Hope gives us a new perspective. She really does. And I say that in a sense that it's a feminine energy. Um, does that make sense at all? It's like, keep going. Yes. Don't give up, you know? Yes. Don't give up. Never give up. No matter how bleak a situation so or uncertainty right. that you have, just know that. Right. Just think about this. Just breathe. Take a moment. Breathe yeah. in, breathe out, relax. Don't react exactly. with emotions. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Is there anything else that you'd like to say, Maggie, while you're talking to all these people today? Oh, no. Just, just, um, do your best every day and, and help others be kind. And, uh, that's all I can say right now. Beautiful. Well, Maggie, you're definitely paying it forward. I really appreciate you coming on here today. And it's important for people to listen to Maggie's story and know that she may have lost her son, but she did not lose her will to live. She is surviving suicide every day. It's a fight every day. But you're living in your son's legacy with love and honor and that's how he wanted to be remembered is in love and this is the way you've loved him and you're going to continue loving him and he's so proud of that he's so grateful maggie you should you should really know that okay yes and that feeling that i felt when he came through it's just it just has made 2020 nothing now you know <laughs> you know we all we all had our goals in 2020 and, you know, with the pandemic and all that. Wow. I just feel wonderful today now. Just wonderful. Beautiful. Thank you so and much. I thank you for that. I thank you for that, Missy. Oh, honey, I didn't do anything. I'm I just talking to you. I can't even explain how I feel right now. It's just I can feel your beautiful. energy. You're like supercharged this now. So oh, yeah, I'm supercharged. <laughs> I, can't, I can't sit still. Oh, That's I can't beautiful. wait to call my daughter. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Maggie, hang oh tight gosh. one second. I'm going to stop the recording. Okay. All right, folks. Okay. That was Maggie's story. Thank you. You're welcome. So you have just heard both Morgan and Maggie's stories, and I am so proud of them for bringing themselves to this vulnerable position for all these thousands of viewers and listeners like you to hear their story and to feel their grief and to feel the power of their healing. And I hope they inspire you like they did for me. They inspired me and I hope I inspired them. And I hope that you got something out of this episode. And I hope you look forward to the next episode where we hear LaDonna's story. And you also get to be the ears to a full reading for a client of mine. So stay tuned for next week's episode and keep up the faith, love and light to you all. Hey guys, this is Medium Jesse and Missy, and we are the Comedian Mediums, and we are so thankful and grateful that you decided to join us today on our podcast, and we hope you have a great day. To get a free live reading with us on the podcast, please put the subject line podcast reading entry and email us at mediummissy at gmail.com. Namaste!